More news at 1130. Breaking news when it happens. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, 95.5 WSB. Well, hi there. It's your buddy Jared Yamamoto from the Von Hessler Doctrine, and you're listening to my nightcap with yours truly, Jared Yamamoto, obviously. Thank you guys so much for taking your evening to spend it with me, some special guests, and of course, my friends. I'll go on and introduce a couple of friends that are going to be hanging out with me throughout the entire show tonight. You know her from my Athens radio show, The Power Pod. Also is on Mark Aram's show. She also does some digital work here at WSB. None other than Nicole Bennett. Say hi there, Nicole Bennett. Well, hello, everyone. Look at them. See, look at that. So Nicole's going to be hanging out with me this evening. Also from Millennial Match Game on the Mark Aram show, you know none other than uh, Randio. She's also on my Athens radio show, The Power Pod, as well. Say hi, Randio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, see, it's kind of nice uh, bringing you guys in early into the show here because there's a lot of news that we got to talk about here. And I, I promise you, well, I'll introduce my producer, George Clark, here in just a little bit. And also, waiting in the wings, I see Christina Aikland excited and ready to go. I'll bring them in here in just a little bit here because the news cycle has been. Very, very heavy this week. One story dominated it, and that is the Ocean Gate Titan submersible tragedy. If you don't know what happened, five people tragically lost their lives when the Ocean Gate Titan submersible imploded underwater. We'll get into the ins and outs of that story because a lot of people really, really want to hear about it. And I feel like there's a little bit of news fatigue personally. Maybe I've heard too much of it. So I will fight that battle later on. I promise you I'll give my take on that story because there's a lot of other things that are happening this week. I know that lab-grown meat is apparently a big craze that's going on. We'll talk about our takes on that. And Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A is now the richest man in Georgia. I'll tell you how he became the richest man and what he's doing to continue the entrepreneurial spirit of Chick-fil-A here in the state of Georgia But first, with all of the crazy weather that we've had, unpredictable weather, I should say, here in the state of Georgia this week, today has been beautiful. Friday was uh, really nice as well. But earlier in the week, we had some terrible storms that came through the metro area. And thankfully, here on WSB, your weather station, we have the only live and local meteorologist, that being the one and only Christina Edwards here on this station. And you should always rely on us to make sure that She gets you around town and makes sure that you're safe and you avoid the storms when they become severe. And when you are in a severe weather situation, I understand why people should be cautious about things. But I feel like over the years, our mantra and our attitude has changed tremendously towards severe weather. And maybe Randy and Nicole, you guys can, you know, help me out a little bit with this one as well, too. But I feel like as a kid, my mother was fearless when it came to driving out in severe weather, rain left and right. And, you know, it just, it didn't bother. I mean, you just knew, be careful, drive a little bit slower, make sure your windshield wipers and your headlights were on and you were good to go. But there is a situation that is developing, uh, uh, not even a situation. There is a, a mentality that's developing now where People feel like, oh, we need to be let out from work now. Or, oh, you know, this is uh, this is not safe anymore. Like, I, I can't handle a little bit of rain anymore. What do you think is changing this here? Like, I, like for me, like, I, I cannot wrap my head around 
why, how in a generation and a half here, my mom being a Gen Xer slash baby boomer, she's right on the cusp there. How in the world we went from being so like, oh, I'm going to go drive through the rain. It's okay. Like, you know, I can get from Duluth to Stockbridge without any problems at all here in Metro Atlanta to, you know, oh, we've got to let school out. I mean, I mean, Randy, I mean, do you find yourself scared to drive in the rain like that? I mean, it's just ridiculous. To me. I mean, I kind of do sometimes. But what I think it is, is that I think our generation and those underneath us, I think anxiety is just on a high now more than it was maybe a few decades ago. Right. And I think because we have social media, we're able to see so many accidents and people having all these things happening in bad weather. We can see it on our phones. It's making people a little bit more anxious. So I think that's why it's like, you know, let people off and, you know, trying to be more accommodating. I I guess I guess people are feeling like that. But but here's the and, and again, I'm not I realize that terrible things happen to people when they drive through bad weather. I'm not here to be dismissive of that. My observation is that does not happen to everybody, and I do agree that you need to be cautious while you're out there, but we've become a society of weenies, in my opinion, where <laughs> where we have to be able to you know, sometimes put on our work pants, and we got to go to work, and we got to be tough about things, but people are getting scared to do it. I mean, Nicole, you're seeing it as well, aren't you? I, I mean, you know, I'm cautious by nature. I will say, though, my mom raised me. I mean, my mom being from Michigan, I think maybe it's all, you know, subjective. She's used to more severe weather. We used to sit outside, depending on the severity of the storm, and watch the storm go by, you know, if you were sure. on deck or covered, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not that afraid. I think I, I agree with Randy. I think it's a post-pandemic maybe anxiety trend and news is like at your fingertips 24-7 sure. that people are hyper-focused on it maybe. I, I, I get that people are hyper-focused on it, but we cannot live in a constant state of fear all the time. And that's the problem that I have with this current uh, fear of storms and fear of just leaving the world. Stay in your house. Stay in your house. Don't go anywhere. I think that there are tools provided for you so that way you can avoid a lot of the problems while getting around. Again, I mentioned here on WSB, we're a resource for you. We have the only live and local meteorologist, that being Christina Edwards, so she can help you get around and avoid all the problems. You shouldn't just hunker away in fear and just be like, oh, goodness, I'm so scared. I'm so so scared of the world when when rain happens. Rain, summertime in Georgia is unpredictable, and you're going to have moments where it can be Super rainy, we'll be in a rainy wet pattern, or we'll be in a pattern where it looks like this upcoming week, it looks like it's going to be really, really nice for most of it. Maybe a little bit of rain here and there, but for the majority of the week, it looks like it's going to be really nice. So that was just another addition of what I like to, you know, we, we started this segment up last week here on the show. I, I like it. We call it. Oh, Jared's thoughts. And normally we start with, you know, the big stories of the week, but that's just uh, something that's been bothering me this week i mean i've i I just i i hate that people are so afraid of the world we have to be able to take the world head on and realize that there are going to be challenges there are going to be risks and look i'm getting fired up guys i gotta (laughs) calm myself down here so again one more time voice lady oh jared's thoughts thank you i feel a lot better about things now now i feel like we got to jump into some of the big headlines from the week here Again, I've mentioned before that we are going to talk about the Titan submersible. I promise we'll get there. But this first story, these proposed changes to the Atlanta children's curfew, I saw that the penalties uh, for parents passed city council this week. And this is a big deal here because we have had several children here in the Atlanta area, including 16-year-old 
Bryasha Powell, I hope I got her name correctly there, uh, who lost her life late in May because of people just getting caught up in this riffraff around town. And I'm sorry, like, you know, city council is trying their best to hold the parents accountable for kids that are staying out past midnight. But I don't think this is enough right here. I mean, you have 12-year-old Zion Charles, 15-year-old Cameron Jackson, who were on the... They were uh, on 17th, the 17th, 17th Street Bridge, yeah, thank you, Randio, mm-hmm. uh, over by Atlantic Station, and they tragically lost their lives, all because they're getting caught up in the wrong crowds here. And I understand why city council would you know, like to levy a fine here, but for me, like levying a fine on these parents does not bring these kids' lives back to me. So I'm really frustrated about it. So, Rainy, I mean, what do you think about this? Well, just for correction, it's Briasia. That's the young lady who passed away. That's her name. But, um, you know, I, I, it's not enough. And so I kind of like that they're trying to take it to the next level with actually making parents or proposing parents and kids like, well, parents more so get jail time. You know, so I think it's up to that point because just the fine and a little or these it's not enough. Kids are dying too quickly because they're out too late doing things they just shouldn't simply be doing. Yeah, and before I bring Tina in, so just just so people understand what the fine print is with city council, the first violation would re- would result in a warning or citation. Second would require the ch- child and his or her parent or guardian to attend a parenting workshop, and then the tickets start coming in. This is not going to stop this problem here, uh, which, by the way, Tina, she works in the Georgia fashion industry, also a member of my Athens show, The Power Pod, as well. A lot of Power Pod uh, uh, players in this week's edition of The Nightcap with Jared Yamamoto. I mean, this story is sickening. I mean, it, it, you, you feel disgusted when you hear yes. about about children losing their lives here in our great city because the police don't have enough resources to keep up with it, and parents aren't willing to pay the consequences for their kids getting involved with the wrong crowds. Yeah, it outrages me, and I am so sad to hear this in a city that I feel very safe in, but after hours, it just is not quite the case, especially for our youngsters, and I really, really feel for the families of these victims. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I feel that just having the feeling is not enough anymore. It's not. We've got to step up, and we have to do something now, when these kids become 18 years and, and above, then I think that things things change. They're adults then. They no longer fall into the you know the child basket. But if they are under parental gui- parental guidance, then they need to be held accountable. That being the parents there. When we come back, I promise you, we'll talk about something that's a little more lighthearted and enjoy a little bit more of. Oh, Jared's thoughts. Here on the Nightcap. Get down. Welcome back to the Nightcap with yours truly, Jared Yamamoto. First segment was a little heavy there, talking about the change in the children's curfew and all the issues that have come with that here in the city of Atlanta. No, it's a story that kind of you know, hit the back burner a little bit because everybody was talking about the Ocean Gate Titan submersible tragedy, which I feel like I have to give everybody a chance to jump in on this because everybody has an opinion about it. I mentioned before that I've got my friend Randio with me. I've got my friend Nicole Bennett. 
And I've also got my friend Christina Aikland with me as well, and also producing the show uh, for the first time. Say hi there, George. Hello. Look, he's uh, holding things down this evening with us as well. So we have to at least give our take on this because a lot has come out since we found out that the sub imploded underwater. And I think the most outrageous news that came out came out late Thursday evening when we found out that the Navy has had secret microphones under under the water for a while to basically monitor and track enemy submarines in case they get close to the United States, right? Now, I feel like from a national defense standpoint, I can understand why they wouldn't want our adversaries here in the U.S. to know about these microphones. But to sensationalize a story where five people lost their lives has just been absolutely outrageous to me at this point. And again, I'm trying to keep myself as calm as possible after imagining what those families went through, thinking that there was a glimmer of hope, knowing that, hey, you know what, or hoping that maybe their families would still be alive. But basically, once the story broke on Thursday that they found the debris field about 1,600 uh, feet off of the bow of the actual Titanic itself, you know, then it was like, oh, by the way, we, we kind of knew since Sunday that the thing imploded, which I think is unacceptable for not only media to sensationalize it, but also for the military to sensationalize it as well. Yeah, I just think we're we're talking about people's lives, people that's been like looking for their family, wanting to know what's going on, say the shock, and you've just been withholding information. There, there, there has to be some type of penalty for that. Yeah, I, I just I don't know how much trust people are going to have in the U.S. government going forward, especially with stories like this. You know, we were hoping so much for a for a happy for a happy ending right like we had heard about storybook the, yeah, yeah storybook ending thank you there george uh, i i know that you know with the 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 boys and i believe it was the, the it was thailand right yeah, where the, the, all the boys that were forever under the underground and they yeah. got rescued after all and, of that and they, time and, and after all that time i mean they had to sedate the boys one by one and bring them under this tunnel and dive when they didn't have any diving experience but it ended up being a happy and good ending to a very uh, uh, emotional story yeah. and dark story at the time. Yeah. And and I feel like with the Navy waiting until the actual news of the, of the debris being discovered on Thursday for them to say, oh, by the way, we knew about the implosion on Thursday. I mean, that's just irresponsible because people were on you know, you know, I mean that that's that, it's been the most captivating story of the summer. Am I wrong, Tina? No, it's it has been everywhere on my feed. It's was the talk at the office. I mean, there's a lot of hope that we put in stories like this. It it makes me wonder for future expeditions like this. I mean, how can we avoid I mean, the obvious question is how can we avoid it and how can we move forward with depths of the sea? <laughs> um and Yeah, and issues where, you know, you've got again, like ugh, I I feel like regulation number 1 has yes. to happen. Like I mean, these subs were not regulated at all and for people to go down there and be adventurous and be explorers, I actually understand that, and that gets me, you know, fired up for people to say, "Hey, you know what? That people shouldn't be allowed to go explore down there." No, that is not how the human spirit is, right there. The humanity, the reason why you are here right now and why you are listening right now is because of adventure and because of humans' natural tendency to be curious, right, mm-hmm. about the world. Now. All that being said, there could have been lots of 
regulations that could have been put in to help ensure that something like this would not happen. And hopefully in the future, if we do have future submersibles that go down to the Titanic or any shipwreck for that matter, that we can learn from it and that we can end up regulating and making sure that it's a safe trip down there. You know what I mean, Randy? Yeah, no, I was just going to add that, you know, uh, Stockton Rush, who was the CEO of Ocean Gate Expeditions, I actually, in the irony of this, that had a conversation with a uh, journalist, uh, David Pogue, and in an interview, and he stated about his an- uh, antipathy to regulations, and he said at some point, safety is just a pure ways, and he did an interview saying, if you don't want to be safe, don't get out of the bed, don't get out of your car, don't do anything, so yeah. he was not for the regulations, and look what happened. Yeah, and, and I mm. think that, you know, we can all obviously play, you know, uh, Monday morning quarterback now that he's not with us anymore. I agree, though, that in, in a mission like this where you're going two miles deep into the sea like that, you've got to have some kind of regulation from somewhere to ensure that people are safe and to make sure that you can bring people back. So that way they can safely see, you know, a huge part of just not even just U.S. or British history, just world history and seeing the Titanic. When we come back, I promise the lighter topics are coming here on the Nightcap with Jared Yamamoto. One more time. This is the Nightcap with yours truly, Jared Yamamoto. And I'm going to be joining you every Saturday night from 11 to midnight until the end of time. And of course, if you want more Jared Yamamoto, you can listen to me on the Von Hessler Doctrine with Eric and the gang every weekday from 4 to 7 right here on 95.5 WSB. We were very heavy in the first half hour of the show talking a lot about the submersible tragedy that happened where five people lost their lives and also with the you know big city council decision to try to kind of ramp down on curfews of kids that are causing a bit of a ruckus here around the city of Atlanta. You know, very, very heavy with those topics. So I look forward to, in the last half hour here of the Nightcap with Jerry Yamamoto, relaxing things up a little bit. What do you say there, Randy? Are you de- I'm definitely ready to relax it up a little bit. I, I think we're, we relax it up, have a little fun. Tina, you ready to relax it up? I and love relax. I think it'll be fun. Nicole, what about you? I'm so ready. Okay, good. Ready. You know what we call, <laughs> we roll through some of the big stories throughout the week. We call it... Mm, night talk. Here on... Oh. The Nightcap with Jerry Yamamoto. <laughs> so the first story we've got to get to here, this is a interesting study that went viral all over Twitter this week. And I know that George Clark's going to be all about this here because apparently attractive women were more likely to be right wing, meaning the conservative in their politics versus left wing women who tended to be a little more contempt and less attractive with their politics. Now, I can understand why some people on the right side may be just a a, a, a little happier, right? Because, you know, they, they appear to be a little more carefree about their politics. And a lot of times people that are super left-wing in politics, like they carry their politics on their shoulders more often, right? Whereas somebody who identifies as a Republican or as a conservative often doesn't necessarily wear it on their shoulder as much as others. They tend to be a little more silent about it. Now, there are definitely, you know, uh, exceptions on both sides, but I figured having three ladies with us here, you know, do you find that amongst your lady friends that the more attractive women are conservatives or liberals in this case? Very much more conservative. Really? Yes, they are. They're prudish, 
<laughs> prudish. I old. said it out loud. Wow, look at that coming. The truth <laughs> coming from Randy O there. Nicole Bennett, uh, do you find uh, amongst your friends, uh, are, are you are you scowling right now? Like I can't even I actually see. I am because I just feel like the whole premise for this this survey, this study is just so, I mean, it's antiquated. What is attractive? It's in the eye of beauty. is in the eye of the beholder. It's so, what it's, it's, it's subjective. I just don't buy into it at all. Well, you know what? This is a, a fun topic. So you could leave your open mics in the WSB radio app too. Do you find that conservative women are more attractive than liberal women like this study is suggesting? Again, I'm not taken aside here one way or the other. I'm not saying that I agree with that liberal women are less attractive than conservative women. This is just what this study uh, is here to say for us. Now, Tina, in your experiences in the Georgia fashion industry, you know, you uh, you have a lot of experience with attractive women. Do you uh, get a chance to find out their <laughs> politics left and right while you're while you're out well, there dabbling around oh in my it? Gosh, First of all, I have experience and in, um, interactions with all kinds of women and they're all beautiful, okay? And they all have different beliefs. And I think that this study is bogus. Oh, okay. So look, so getting a getting a little offended over there now, George this Clark. Is so stupid. Going into the nitty gritty of this here. So what what is some of like the uh, the 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 data the data points that they pull from here? A little yeah. Bit so the, I mean, they are looking at the traditional image of beauty, so sy- symmetry, things of that nature, eye color, you know, full beard versus you know n- not full beard as far as the men go. Sure. You know, long hair, <laughs> blah blah blah, as far as the ladies go. So I think you know. Conservative people tend to be more traditional and lean towards that traditional look. And maybe just the fact that they're using this algorithm, which is going to kind of base itself off of these traditional measures, then they're analyzing people that tend to be more traditional. Maybe that's why there's the conservatives are being seen as more beautiful is i that, guess so i mean that's one you, that's one way of looking analyze at it. the data in that but I, I also do think that it, when it comes to understanding the silent majority or the or the silent voter i feel like conservatives from my experience at least and again this is jared yamamoto's experience here they tend to be a little less vocal about how they feel about things not saying they're not vocal because they certainly are vocal about how they feel about things but in a side to side uh, you know, cage match, right? I think that the liberal side, li- my liberal friends that I have, which I have plenty of liberal friends, lots of liberal friends, in fact, uh, they would be the more vocal of the two. And if you carry your politics on your shoulder like they do in a lot of cases, then it's going to weigh down. It's going to stress you out. It's going to make you feel worse. It's going to make you eat worse because you live, die, <laughs> eat, breathe, and uh, and and just completely function off of what your party politics are. And right now, it's just a very frustrating time for both liberals you think and conservatives. That's just the concepts of conservatism and liberalism. Conservatives are going to be more conservative in what they eat, what they do, how they treat themselves. Liberals are going to be more liberal with what they eat, what they do, you know, drug use possibly, whatever mm-hmm. it is that makes you a little less traditionally attractive then you're going to maybe be more liberal. Yeah, so it's just it's it's just interesting when you when you break down the intricacies of that. And again, what do you guys think? Leave uh, your opinions on the WSB radio app and we'll get a chance to play them next week here on the Nightcap with Jared Yamamoto. The other story we've got to get to here comes from The Verge here. I saw that Mark Zuckerberg is ready to fight Elon Musk in a cage match and if anybody gets excited about Elon Musk and 
Mark Zuckerberg getting into cage masks. It's none other than Nicole Bennett. Why? Because <laughs> for some reason she, she has an infatuation with both of them. She's talked about this oh. on our Athens show, The Power Pod, before about how, <laughs> how when it comes to uh, rich, wealthy men getting in a mm. cage fight just uh, it, it just gets your gears going there, Nicole Bennett. Oh. Right? That's why it uh, gets your uh, mm. night talk. It just really mm. gets you going there a little bit. Mm. And so, why in the world would Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, aside from some kind of publicity stunt, which is what my speculation is in the beginning here, is that both sides are trying to find some way to uh, you know to highlight and to try to uh, to to make sure that people focus more on their social media platforms with Meta. You know, you've got Zuckerberg owning Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and they're trying to actually come out with a kind of a Twitter competitor too. What that's uh, that's going to be really interesting to see if that actually takes off. And then Elon Musk owns a ton of different things, but in the social media world, Twitter is obviously the big one that he's talking about. But is this really just some kind of social media game here, Nicole Bennett? Well, or- that's. I mean, it remains to be seen that whether they're joking or serious, but it does. I, I will agree with you, Jared. feels more like it's all a publicity stunt for the most part. It was Elon Musk responding to a user who brought up what you just mentioned. The Twitter rival, Elon Musk, basically said, well, you know, if he's up for a cage match fight, then I am too. Just send me a location was how Mark Zuckerberg responded. Yeah, and, this, so, and this would be brilliant here because you right. could you could put it in Vegas, make it pay-per-view. People really eat that stuff up and like for me like I, i've never been I, I like boxing and i'll go and i'll watch like a pay-per-view boxing match particularly if it's two men i cannot watch two women fight each other i just really struggle with that but like mma fights like i don't know if any of you guys are into mma fights but i cannot get into that at all i just think that the kicking and stuff like that the kneeing in the face when you see you know like like the the bloody noses and stuff like that and again i'm not saying that you would see it with Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. You know what's interesting, though, is Mark Zuckerberg apparently just recently got into jujitsu and oh. won like a gold and silver medal at a recent competition. So he could actually win. <laughs> okay, so saying. so who, who are you taking then, Nicole? Yeah, are, are, I mean, just based on that alone, I'm taking Zuckerberg for sure. Okay, all right. So so you're you're going with Zuckerberg. Randy, who are you taking? Uh, definitely Elon. Like, he's going to pull out all kind of cool tricks and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah he, he's a curveball, so <laughs> definitely. Space guy, I'm going Elon. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think Elon, he's kind of fat, so all yeah. you have to do is kind of just sit on him here body a little slam. bit. Yeah, just he body. said he's got a special move. Wait, the body yeah, yeah. See, and that says to me that it's some kind of publicity stunt all together there, where they're just trying to, you know, get people to, you know, get, get really excited and you know buy the pay per view and 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 get just uh, get super pumped for it, which. I can't blame them for trying to create an event out of this. It would be funny, and I might find myself going to the bar and ordering like maybe a little some wings, like a or signature like that. drink. That's uh, are you getting the Elon Slammer? Or are you getting the- <laughs> yeah, something like that. that? That would be cool. I, I think like that. that's I, a concept. I, I think that would be fun. So stay tuned here to the Nightcap <laughs> with uh, Jared Dumoto. We will cover all of the uh, the ins and outs of that cage fight there. The other thing we got to get to here has been this big study here where apparently music fans are traveling 500 plus miles for concerts. Now, I just got back from Bonnaroo last weekend. So Bonnaroo doesn't fall into the 500 plus mile category because that's in Manchester, Tennessee. So you're going about 200, 300 miles and you get a wide array of of artists that are at that festival. But what I thought was super interesting about it was not only that people would travel so far – but the genres 
that wanted to go and 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 travel the furthest, like the people that wanted to see EDM, reggae, and indie rock, said they would travel to a different continent just to go watch the festival or concert of their choice here. And that just shows you how much of a need there is for entertainment out there, guys. And that's why here in Atlanta, Georgia, you are so lucky to have the nightcap with Jerry Yamamoto. You just turn on your radio to 95.5 WSB every Saturday night, and you don't have to drive 500 miles unless you want to. I am so sad to tell you that it is already the last segment of the nightcap with yours truly, Jared Yamamoto. But one of the promises we make here on the nightcap with Jared Yamamoto is that we always save our best content for last year. Because, again, first half of the show was a little heavy with all the big news that we had throughout the week. But we loosened up a little bit, when you say, ladies and fellas? Definitely. Yes. We definitely loosened up yes. a little bit. And I want to make sure that we get to a few more stories that happened here in this news cycle that were really, really important to me. I, in particular, like this one a lot because I'm a big napper. And I saw that there was a study that came out that said that short daytime naps may keep the brain healthy as it ages. And they basically found that there's like kind of this perfect formula, right, where you the, the, the emphasis here should be on short naps. Now, when I used to work the mornings from 9 to noon, you know, we did the big swipper, uh, switcheroo, not the swipperoo, switcheroo <laughs> with the Mark Aram, uh, that being the Von Hessler Doctrine and the Mark Aram show, we switched spots. Uh, when I would get done with the 9 to noon slot, I would go home and take a massive nap, prep for the next day, and then start all over again the next morning. And But now, with, the, with uh, me working in the evenings now, I do a linear day, and I have no time to take a nap like that anymore. But it does bring back some uh, some interesting memories of taking these really, really good naps. And I know that I look at my staff here. I feel like Randio, you strike me as the biggest napper of everybody on the crew, which, by the way, I have Randio, Tina, Nicole Bennett, and George Clark producing the show on this edition here of the nightcap with Jerry Yamamoto. You you're a you're a napper, right? I am a very big napper, you know, being that I am, you know, predominantly self-employed. I definitely make sure that I get myself a midday nap just as they're suggesting 30 minutes. I don't try to go past that because then I'm groggy and it just gives me that boost, but now I know that oh, I'm getting smarter, is that what they're saying? Yeah, you're getting smarter <laughs> and it's be- it's just better for you cuz I mean, if you go over it, you end up being groggy a little bit. I remember yes. taking some naps where my entire sleep schedule would just completely flip over. It's like, oh my gosh, you should be on this time zone now or something like that. It's like, oh, look, you're basically on the European time zone because you're doing three hours here, six hours here. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm just I'm just glad that finally there is a study that, that fits the wants and needs of Jared Elmwood. I've been trying to tell everybody that naps are good for you and you should take this as some advice from your buddy, Jared Elmwood. The other thing I wanted to bring up here was uh, really important here before we get to the big Cop City story, because talked about Cop City on our first episode here of the Nightcap with Jared Yamamoto, but wanted to get to this this uh, story real quick here. I saw that Andre 3000 is supposed to drop his first album in, I don't know, like 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is huge news for Atlanta oh, if this yeah. happens, because Big Boy's been out doing his thing. Killer Mike still out there doing his thing. I mean, it's it's great to see our great city not only continuing to develop new musical talent that's uh, growing and becoming worldwide talent, but also to see 
a legend like Andre 3000 of, you know, obviously outcast in case yes. people don't know who that is. Hashtag three stacks. Yeah, so people might not know. But the thing that I'm a little concerned about, and you guys uh, correct me if I'm wrong about this, is until I actually see the album in my hand or, or have the album in my hand, I still am a little bit weary thinking that it might not come out. You know what I mean, Randio, a little bit? You know, because when some people keep just hyping it up, hyping it up, hyping it up, and it doesn't happen, it's like, hello already. So, But I am going to like, I'm going to take Nicole's phrase. I'm being cautiously optimistic yes, that it's going to happen. Be cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I mean, Nicole, you're, you're ready for it, right? You're a big outcast well, my, fan, right? Yes. And like you said, I think this is going to, I mean, this for Atlanta, this is huge. So mm-hmm. I can't wait. Okay. I can't wait. Good. Well, I, I, I'm glad that I, I'm alone. Tina, you, Tina, you're awfully quiet oh, about this I'm, one. No, I'm literally shaking in my boots. I'm so excited. Okay. I cannot wait. Good. Good. I'm glad glad you're excited about it as well too. And George Clark, I know you never struck me as an Outcast fan, but I you oh, know I'm hyped. Okay, good. So you've got you've got some <laughs> some ATL roots there. ATLian. So, so we've got we we definitely wanted to I wanted to bring a positive Atlanta story before getting into the the sadness that is the cop city adjustments that have been coming out the the latest uh, stories that have been coming out about about cop city. This in particular, the Atlanta clerk has been sued for denying the stop. Cop City petition. Um, there apparently, this effort now is going to start moving forward. Now, after there were lots of issues with it, listen. My my thing about Cop City is is that I know that I have seen some canvassers out in my area of town in Midtown where they're trying to get people to vote on board with this. I think that there just aren't enough people, quite frankly, that are against the building of of Cop City right now. I think that a lot of people are in the silent majority on this where they believe that Cop City is necessary for the city of Atlanta, but they're just not being as vocal about it online. And these people are not really doing the the best messaging by saying we will stop at nothing to ensure that this facility is built. That is not how democracies work. That's not how a constitutional republic works. That's not how Atlanta City Council works. So... I'm interested to see how this all plays out to the end. And I promise you here on the Nightcap with Jared Yamamoto, we will continue We will continue covering all of the latest on Cop City because I'm just fascinated with the story. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us this evening. I had a ton of fun with you guys. Thank you again, Randio, Tina, Nicole, George Clark for producing the show. We will be back here next week from 11 to midnight right here on 95.5 WSB. News, weather, and traffic are next. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.